Irregardless isn't even a word. Yes, it is. It means without lack of regard. I pity you. Welcome to Radio Irregardless, your non-standard blend of irrespective and regardless. Now please welcome to the Internet Airwaves. Really? Internet Airwaves? It's, it's okay, you can just do it. It's just, just say Internet Airwaves, it sounds really cool. Alright, sorry, I'm just... Internet gonna... Airwaves. Okay then, please welcome to the Internet Airwaves, your host, Mark Scalia. And welcome to Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia. Uh, today, tonight, is a very special broadcast. I am actually broadcasting remotely, live at a venue. Uh, I normally never have shows on a Wednesday night, uh, but I do tonight. And instead of giving you guys a, uh, a pre-recorded show or something that just may, you know, you've heard before or something like that, um, I figured I would do a brand new live show remotely. So it may not be exactly what you're looking for, um, but it may be a little different. It actually can be kind of fun. So um, I'm kind of in the back room of, uh, of an amazing, amazing uh, place. Uh, I am in Dover, New Hampshire, expecting another, yet another, mega snowstorm. And yeah, there's the sounds, the sounds of snow. Um, and I'm actually broadcasting live from the Chameleon Room, uh, the Chameleon Club, actually, uh, the Chameleon Club in Dover, New Hampshire, um, and it's uh, the Jay Grove Show, and I'm closing the show all tonight, and uh, there's a bunch of comics that actually just walked in, so it, you're going to get an amazing show. I'm just going to interview people today. I think, uh, I don't know if we're going to have time to do any games, but Jay Grove is on the show, uh, Elena Jowitz is on the show, and Michelle Mortensen is on the show, and Justin McKinney just walked in the door as well. So we may have Justin McKinney on uh, a quick little interview for him. So we're going to see how it is. So forgive me if I'm experiencing some technical delay uh, or some, some problems because it's, it's not my usual home. Oh, and there's the, there we go. And they've started the show already. Um, so you guys will probably hear some of the show. I'm actually going to go live uh, with my remote. Um, I'll have a lavalier mic so you'll actually get to hear me actually speaking. So uh, I'll listen. Yes, live from the Chameleon Club in Dover, New Hampshire. So um, the, the, the show tonight, it's a special thing, and I've never done it before. I've never done a remote, so it's going to seem kind of distracting. You're going to hear the show in the back. You're probably going to hear some people talking and some laughing, of course, which would be wonderful. Um, so what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to kind of float around. I think I'm just going to kind of see how it goes. Um, I really did want to try to play um, some games, but it, uh, it's probably not going to happen. Only for the fact that I'm in a secondary area um, broadcasting uh, for the show. It is uh, I'm slightly distracted once again. 
Uh, I'm actually broadcasting in the restaurant site. And the owner actually walked me around this place. Amazing place. They redid the downstairs, the upstairs. They have a full function theater, do dinner theater upstairs. Um, full open kitchen. You can walk in the kitchen. You can just walk right in. Every access ability, uh, every ac- any, any room you wanted to access in this place is just full. The owner is just very, very amazing. Um, and he says, well, and of course he does it as Irish brogue. Uh, I figure if people are going to be eating food, they should be saying what the food's been made by and things like that. So um, it was very cool to uh, walk around there. So it's a true Irish pub where there, it's almost sectional where the, um, uh, the, the different sections of there's like a dining area, which I'm in, which is quasi closer, closed off. Um, then there's like a little enjoyment, kind of a game room. And then there's the bar. And then there's on the other side where the comedy show is happening. So you probably can hear it now. Yeah, see? See, I'm always quiet for my own introduction, so it works out nice. So here's what we're going to do. Oh, Justin McKinney is actually going to hit the stage right now. Yes. Justin McKinney, otherwise known as New Hampshire comedy whore, if there's a stage, he's on it. Um, love the guy. If you haven't seen Justin McKinney on stage, um, go see him. He is uh, really, really funny. And here's a funny Justin McKinney story. About uh, a year and a half ago, we were doing a show, un- not a- unlike this. Um, it was in a bar at a uh, hotel. And it was heckling and drunk people. And it was just really, really just not a typical night for either one of us. Um, but Justin pulled me aside and said, I owe you a punch in the face. And I said, why? He goes, because you should have told me to get out of this shit 20 years ago. And I said, I did. You should have stayed a cop. You could have been retired by now. So, but uh, yeah, but Justin is on stage right now. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to see if I can pull in one of the other comics and do a quick interview with them. Um, I think I can get uh, Elena. 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 Are you on stage next? You're not. Would you Would you like to Would you like to be a guest? Yes. Tell you what. Put these on so you can hear yourself, and you can at least hear me. Well, you don't necessarily need that. No, you could if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Let me. Let me. That's good. There you go. All right. Cool. It's working. And you're broadcasting live. So, uh, Elena, you and I have just met tonight, uh, and I've got uh, a bunch of people who are very much interested in this whole comedy thing and thing. So, tell our listening audience who you are, what you do, what you're about. Jewish lesbian, so what else was I going to do with well, my I, life? That's the, I think you just covered all the bases right there. Yeah. An epileptic Jewish lesbian. If you were black, you would have to hold right yeah, there. I'd have to hold deck of cards. A quinella. As yeah. a, <laughs> you had the, three would be a trifecta. But, and how long have you been doing the, uh, the comedy thing? Uh, well, I started back in May. Oh, newbie. Yeah. Newbie. Yeah, I'm a newbie. What was your first time on stage? Uh, my first time on stage was in the back of a comic book store called Kamikaze, <laughs> and I opened for Mike Kaplan. The yeah, I, I knew Mike when he wasn't funny. That's how much. That's how long I've known Mike. So you were, you were opening for him in the back of a comic book store. Yeah. Okay. Go on. <laughs> so uh, when I first met him, though, like my brain didn't register that this was Mike Kaplan speaking to me because. He, he was just so awkward in person. <laughs> he is. <laughs> and, 
So then I, I just, I could barely speak in sentences because I was just, I kept saying, you're my Kaplan and you're on TV and interchanging those two sentences. I've come a long way since then. Yes, you're much more articulate now. I, I'm so starting you, to slowly develop some social skills. Good. And you're, and uh, so you're going to go on tonight, so we're going to get a chance to, you I, you can actually hear a lot of the show, which is good. Oh, so I'm not cool. going to, I'm not going to talk too much. Um, but I figured I would interview you guys and come over because uh, we've never d- this is Radio Air regardless and we've never done a live remote before. So this is a yeah. this is a really cool kind of treat for me. Um, so you started in May. So yeah, you're, you're coming up on your one year. And uh, what I usually do is I save this to the end, but I don't know what, if we're going to get a chance to talk. What was your best gig and what was your worst gig? Start with the best gig because it's always a the worst gig is always a better fucking story. That's a tough one. Uh, I, I guess my best gig was kind of my first gig because, you know, it was just I opened for Mike Kaplan. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. And also, what uh, show I did, I got to sign an autograph afterwards. So I guess that was my best one. Very cool. Um, the homeless man came up to me after <laughs> the show and said, you're that Jewish lesbian that tells jokes, right? So I said, yeah, I am. And he said, oh, the, I'm your biggest fan. Will you sign my ass? <laughs> so I did. This is the, the furthest I've ever been with any man, by the way. <laughs> I pureled myself afterwards. And then uh, about two months later, I was in that same area. And I was on a date, and it really wasn't going well. And the same guy comes up to me and says, you're Elena Jowitz, right? And I said, yeah, I am. And he turns around and moons me. And my name's tattooed on his ass. Was it the same guy? It was the same guy. That is fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's a great story. Now, how can uh, how can our listeners actually get a hold of you? Is it uh, com or are you on Facebook? Uh, yeah, I'm on Facebook. Uh, it's facebook.com slash Jawitz. All right. Follow me on Twitter at Jutenton Proud. What is it? At Jutant and Proud. Jutant and Proud? Yes. Spell that for me. J-E-W-T-A-N-T <laughs> and Proud. That is fantastic. Well, Elena, we're, I'm looking forward to hearing you a little bit later. Um, right. I'm going to take my first break. But uh, listening audience, uh, you can uh, go, you can look her, look up her, uh, Elena Jowitz on Facebook. Uh, her name is right there. And I... Uh, and we will be right back as soon as I set up my breaks, which I didn't do that because I was doing this. So you have to talk for a second. Oh, okay. I have to keep talking. All <laughs> yeah. right. The, what, just what, just what make it sound just make it sound interesting while right. I while I waste thirty seconds. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, oh, I did All the right. wrong one. Quartet. That's the one I okay. wanted. That's the one I wanted. All right. Quartet. Did, did so where are you I'll tell you what, where are you gonna be next besides here tonight? Um so I'm gonna be in Lemonster um, at Scoreboards on Friday, Valentine's Day. Nothing says love like an epileptic Jewish lesbian. <laughs> well, I, no, it might. It might. Some, I don't know what else could say love. But that, that would pretty much say it all. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be right back. You're listening to Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia.
I mean, there I was, just trolling through the internet, and all of a sudden this leaf pops up. Turns out it's my cousin. Found out all the things she likes, you know, where she lives. It was actually really, really cool. And that's when I discovered Ancestry.com. Visit Ancestry.com and discover the world's largest online resource. You don't have to know what you're looking for. You just have to start looking. Hi, this is Steve Scarfo, and you are listening to Radio Irregardless on Wednesday at 9, where apparently only a GED is necessary to broadcast on the Internet. And, and we're back at Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia, and joining me, uh, uh, the aforementioned... Justin McKinney. Justin, say hi to our listening audience. Hi, listening audience. Yeah, How are you? That's the best sexy voice you can come up with. Really. How are you tonight? It's a Wednesday. I, I, it's I, love I, line. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, this isn't love this line. This is not love line. No. no. You, that's a, you can't do that. You can't uh, love line. But we... <laughs> I actually... Uh, I teased you out. I said, if there's a stage in New Hampshire, Justin is on it. Oh, man. But I got to be honest, Mark. This is uh, This is one for the ages. <laughs> Was it? How was it out there? <laughs> well, he I, basically it's one of those ones where the people in the room don't seem like they're very interested in having a show, and it's almost like we've um, bothering uh, them. Yeah, we've we've like set up shop in their space, and they're like, "What the hell is going on?" So, uh, you know, I did my three minutes and got the hell out. <laughs> and you're always writing, man. You get stuff. You're like constantly writing stuff and constantly going on stage and trying it out. And uh, I told them the story. And if you just watched what I just did, you'd know that not much of it is good. But, (laughs) yeah. It's all good. It's it's always a work in project. No, I actually told them, uh, I told my listening audience the story about how we were in that Nashua. Was it Nashua, that hotel? And you you threatened to punch me in the face because I didn't talk you out of doing (laughs) <laughs> so why did you kick my ass 20 years ago and make me stop? Oh, I said that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. we all of a sudden hooked up, and this is where we ended up. You know, it's like we, 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 we saw each other a decade ago. We meet back at this point, and we're like, what, what happened? Yeah. 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 But it's, a, it's, all, uh, it's all part of it, the ups and the downs. Yeah, and you've been on, you've been on Tonight Show? Mm-hmm. Go through your credentials. Let, tell the listening audience who you are, man. You're a funny guy. And it's just a Mc, is it just a McKinney.com? Well, it's almost sad because I peaked many years ago. I'm definitely on the backside of my career. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, did a couple Lenos, and I did uh, Conan when he had the Tonight Show, that short-lived one. Yeah. And then uh, once Conan, you know, lost the Tonight Show, I didn't see any reason of going on myself. You know, so we both kind of left. You know, he left with forty million, and I left with nothing. And uh, we just both kind of gave up. Well, he's a sidekick, too. <laughs> he's a TBS and got a sidekick, and I just uh, settled in uh, New Hampshire. So, no. Um, but, yeah, that's it. You know, done a little bit. Yeah. But just plugging along. But this is all. It's try to explain to my wife. She comes in. She, you know, she'll be like, how was the show? And I'll be like, there were four people. None of them were listening. <laughs> I'm like. Well, I do this thing. I usually have comics on all the time, and we play games and do this stuff. But because this is we're going to kind of interview everybody, I usually do this at the end, but. I don't know how long I'm going to be here, and I'm going to go on in about half an hour. Um, you have to tell the audience your best gig and your worst gig, and always the worst gig second because it's a, it's always a better story. Yeah. Um, best gig. Man. Or one of them. Cause best you've got, you've got a long career. It's over 20 years, 20. Yeah. And, 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 and are you talking like the best thing television-wise, like a best or the best pro, like live? Because – 
I've been fortunate enough to do a lot of theaters and like, you know, the 900 seat and the 1,000 seat theaters and that kind of stuff. And those are always the best gigs, right? They're all kind of the same. I mean, um, you know, I was asked to be part of that Blue Collar tour and uh, the Blue Collar Next Gen tour. Really? Yeah, that was, uh, I know, no, you don't even know about it. That's how big it was. Um, but uh, thanks, Mark. Um, but yeah, well, the idea was I, to have another. I Googled it and nothing came up. The idea was to have, uh, <laughs> that's not true. It will come up. It'll just, uh, won't be positive. It's a broken link. Um, so. It was Blue Collar Next Gen with yeah. Bill Engvall hosted it, and they were looking for four people to, you know, be the next generation of the Blue Collar thing. Sound good on paper. I guess, but uh, long story short, we did four cities, and they were, you know, four, five, six thousand people, and these great big. I mean, some of those are some of the best gigs yeah. I ever did. I mean, those were great crowds. So those are those are probably some of the. But those are then the big ones, and but then you've got corporates where it's like you do ten minutes and you get the big payday. So it all depends. Yeah. When you say the best gig, You're be- I don't know. I don't know how to. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the. Well, there's, uh, a, there's a long list there. Now, I'll tell you what. Since you can't decide on the best gig, but you've given us a plethora. Of uh, different, uh, yes. different variations. How about just to just pick one of the worst gigs? This tonight. Um, <laughs> when you go up there, Mark, I want you to talk to the crowd after this because if it's like these people are not, this is one of them. I had to do three minutes. How many minutes you have to do? I don't know. Jay, am I doing thirty? Doing thirty. Thirty minutes. Yeah. Um, if my head, if I the audience continues to not listen, um, <laughs> it'll be a long thirty. I did three. It felt like I did thirty-five. Um, but no, all kidding aside, one of the worst gigs I ever did was uh, a private, um, a private uh, gig down in Wall Street in New York City. Really? And it was a standing cock cocktail reception. <laughs> I just paused on cock. Yeah, standing cocktail. Wait, kids are listening. Um, no, no, so, they're not. no, they're not. So. And I've learned that now, since this gig, that anytime someone says standing cocktail or the people are standing, just run from that gig. You, if people can't sit down, it's stand up. You're supposed to stand up, not the audience. Yeah. And I don't know if it's what it is, but it's just the handful of them I've done. They're always just a nightmare when people are mingling and standing. Um, so long story short, I said to the woman introducing me, I said, look, no, whatever you do, just make sure they can hear, you know, hear the intro. Just get them all to listen and then just give my intro and then bring me up, you know, so you can start, you know, you can... She's talk. She's like, um, "Can I have everyone's attention?" Um, hello, can I have everyone's attention? No one's ignore. Everyone's ignoring. Um, can I, she tried for five minutes. Um, could we get everyone shh to quiet? No one is listening. Finally, she just hands me the mic, shrugs her shoulders, and goes, "I tried." And I, and I literally had to just sit there, and it was literally like this. They nobody cared. There was a there was a chef grill in front of me, like a, a um a butcher, a, a, a big cook with a with a chef's hat, doing sautés in front of me, and they're all broken off. There's like a martini bar, and it was just like, what is this guy doing here? And I made nice money, so I just like you know kept a smile and just run through it. But it was literally, I that was one of those gigs where I wanted to get out of there faster than ever. And I was standing in the hotel. Uh, I'm walking through the hotel lobby, and this this one guy that was in the room goes, "Oh look at that, there's a." That's the funniest guy in America right there. <laughs> he was totally <laughs> mocking me because I just bombed it so bad. Oh, man, it was humiliating. I couldn't get out of there. I mean, it was a four-hour drive back from New oh. York. But, I mean, it was, you know. And you had nothing to do I made a lot of money. about that gig. But, well, no, I haven't made a lot of money. And, well, luckily, the person who booked me had me do another one before that. That's why she gave me the second one. And then this one wasn't. Uh, Is that your phone? That's probably my wife. Is yeah. that your agent? I, I, I turn it right up. Yeah. No, no, you can have your wife talk. You know who that is? No. 
Yeah, he's 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 a has been too. <laughs> yeah, it's a buddy not, of mine. Let's not say that. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll Google that. Um, oh, it's a broken leg. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh oh no, so so she had, had me on another gig, then I did this one and luckily they, they like knew the setup was wrong and I yeah. got another one from them. But oh, other but had wow. that been the first one I'd gotten from that group, it, it, it would have been over. That was one of them. And another quick one, um, because these there's no shortage of these bad ones. Because the good ones are only are only I'm really that good because you know the next one's going to be shitty and it's not going to last, so you don't really get to enjoy them that much. But the bad ones just keep coming. Like, uh, oh, yeah. I did a, um, the racetrack down in Long Island, New York. Okay. Whatever that racetrack is down there, I can't even think of it. Do you know what uh, is? Not white. I, wa- I want to say like Waterbrook or something like that. Something yeah. white or water. So I think there's a W in it. But anyway. If one of my listeners know it, you can Google it right away. And just middle, middle, of the d- middle of the daytime. Everyone's so so. You're on stage doing stand up. They've got like a you know a tarp behind you, and uh, above you are the screens of the horse race. And so you're five minutes in your act, and all of a sudden the horse race starts. And people to get up and they start going go 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 no no they go go and then they lose. They go yeah and they all throw down their thing. You were right in the middle of a joke, and then you're like um okay forget about that. Let me try to pick this up. And now they're pissed off. They're all walking. Behind, it's, behind it's the used tickets behind the tarp, there's ATM machines. Oh no! People are getting money out, and they're behind heckling you, going, "You suck!" <laughs> they're from behind; you can't even see them. They're just going, "You suck!" And then you like, so it was just like, I mean, you know, so that one sticks out as uh, that's as one of my worst as well. Fantastic! It's, it, yeah. And I'll tell you, the listeners uh, may go, "Oh, this is, this happens. This happens all the fucking time." You were surprised at the places you you find yourself in, but it's all you know. It, if the setting's not right, one that's of the worst it. ones I ever did was at a buddy's wedding. He thought it was good to do at the wedding, and that no, that was man. a nightmare. Like you I never want to do. One, you know, I did one wedding reception, and yeah. under very specific conditions. Yeah, but I would never do. Yeah, that's just not appropriate. I just I can't do it. Yeah. And speaking of good gigs, where are you this weekend? I'm at the Rochester Opera House, and it's sold out, actually. Congratulations. And people can, well, it's sold out. It's sold out, yeah. Yeah, so I'm very excited about that. It's funny. A guy just came up to me here. Jay Grove just brought me up to my buddy stopped by Justin McKinney. The guy just came up to me and thought that I was someone pretending to be Justin McKinney. He didn't believe I was in this place. He goes, no way. And then I just did three, I just bombed for three minutes. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm big. I'm big time. Well, you'll do great tomorrow night or Friday yeah. night. You'll Saturday night. Yeah. Saturday night. All right. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, I thank you, Justin, Thanks, for uh, coming Mark. by. Thanks, Mark. Great seeing and, uh, you as always, buddy. Yeah, You're one yeah. of my uh, my good longtime friends in this business. Well, we have a good time. Yes. We try to have a good time. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia. We shall we be right back. At a wedding toast, he confessed to giving the bride chlamydia. People know him as that guy. He'll ask about your children at a urinal. He once approached an undercover officer for drugs in front of a police station. He is the most inappropriate man in the world. I don't often drink beer, but when I do, it's at an AA meeting. Stay thirsty, my friends. Hey, you, this is Steve Halligan, and you are listening to Radio Irregardless with Mark Scalia. For some reason, I don't even know why. I am sitting in my car on a bridge contemplating if I should jump. I'm going to listen to the show, and if it keeps depressing me the way that it is, I'll jump, but you should enjoy yourself.
And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. That was Justin McKinney, uh, and he is now gone doing his thing. And it, we just have the guests coming and coming and coming. And all these people have just been on stage. And with me, joining me, is... Uh, and I'm trying to remember when the... I think the first gig we did was in Maine. With me, Michelle Mortensen. It's Mortensen. I want to pronounce that right. Oh, wait a minute. I got you. There you go. Yes, it is. Michelle Mortensen. Hey, um, you were... Uh, you were First time on my radio station. Yes, you are. Um, ah. So I'll tell you what. I'm going to put your name in so people can Google you. Okay. Exactly. Uh, so tell our listening audience about you. How long you been at this stand-up thing, Michelle? I've been at the stand-up about seven years. Um, I started out as a professional musician. I played French horn. Nice. And keyboard. And uh, Get laid a lot with the French horn? No, you don't get laid a lot. <laughs> and there's no blowjobs either. Wow. Whoa, whoa. Kids are listening. That's, oh. No, no I'm kidding. <laughs> Okay. If my niece and nephew haven't gone to bed yet, they, they deserve it. Then they, they deserve that. They deserve what's coming uh, next. Yeah, I actually had the opportunity uh, to play with Bruce Springsteen's band when he was not with them. It was the E Street Review. So I yeah. played with Clarence Clemens and uh, Danny Federici and uh, Max Weinberg, who Sweet. was. And then. Max uh, Weinberg uh, from the Max Weinberg uh, Seven. Yes. Uh, Conan. Yeah. Conan and then. Uh, Right before I left Jersey, I got the opportunity to play with Ray Charles right before he performed with the Super Bowl. Impressive. And that was uh, that was interesting. And then I, I did a little work. I still managed a symphony orchestra. And then I decided to do something totally different. So I got involved in the stand-up. And you and I have know each other. We I was participated in one of your acting classes one yeah. time. Yeah, because in the range of you, the, your resume goes on, uh, we had done a gig for the first time, I think, in Maine. At a it hotel. was in Maine. Fireside. Yes, it was. Um, that was the first time we met. And then, uh, then come to find out you do acting work. And I did have you in for one of the classes uh, to audition for my directing students. Right. And then I was like, oh, Michelle, she can do it all. She's like, she's telling jokes. She's doing the acting. She's killing it. I've had a lot of fun. I think one of the things that um, being a professional musician taught me is how to work, how to practice. And uh, so I tend to hustle, <laughs> and, uh, and I tend to, to work very hard. Uh, in fact, sometimes people make fun of me at, at shows or anything because I can see that I've got my, my routine written out and that I'm rehearsing it, and that's just uh, the discipline that I have. Well. No, I saw you. You were at the table just across from where I'm all set up, and you had your your index cards and going on. And I'm like, I I was never that guy. Like, I wish I was. Like for competitions and stuff, I might write some stuff uh -huh. out. But I stopped writing my act out like three years. And people who do that, I'm really not. I don't think envious is the right word, but I, I acknowledge it as a really uh, a really good thing because I just go. And I'm kind of unstructured like that. But to have that structure is, I just. And yet, it works for you. there are people that you admire who don't have that structure, who have the ability to go. <laughs> um, I wish I could, for, for example, I wish I could play jazz. You yeah, know, when really? I was a musician, uh, you know, I played every note that was in front of me. Oh, yeah. But uh, I had the opportunity one time to play with a big band and to watch all the rest of the... the kind of riff. Riff. And then I'm, thank God that they never said take it because <laughs> I just would have frozen. I what 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 well, what about well that's like an improv can you improv as an actor um somewhat yes i can but uh i have done that mm -hmm. and uh i am capable of that but uh with the stand up not so much <laughs> 
That's fine. No, I, I, I didn't do any kind of crowd work or anything till I was like two years into my act. I was terrified to have anybody heckle me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't have anything except my jokes. So, yeah, I get it. Well, That's see, I'm, I'm an old, as an old broad, uh, they don't, <laughs> I don't have to worry about they In general, they don't heckle me. Um, they, they wait for for uh, uh, bigger catch or, or younger bait or something. Well, what they're probably going to do is they're probably going to attack the, um, the really small demographic, which would be the uh, female lesbian Jews. There's not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's Elena. I'm just calling back to Elena. She's a, that's a huge. I mean, if I was looking for a female comic Jew, lesbian, boom. Yeah. Boom. That's the total package right there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And and now you're not a lesbian, are you? Uh, no, I've been married uh, over 30 years to oh. the. You met my husband that I did. night. I yes, did. you did. did. Yeah, yeah. So I you're am thinking about becoming a lesbian. It, it's, <laughs> it's in some ways, it's it's a little hard to be so straight. You know, I'm. I feel like I'm vanilla in a, a Ben and Jerry's world. You know, I, I'm not a nut. I'm not a fruit. Uh, I haven't had a rocky road. Um, and sometimes you just want to go out there and be something other than vanilla. And uh, so, it, you know, you really have to dig for material <laughs> at times. Um, luckily, I have two kids that drove me nuts. There you go. I have a granddaughter who. Uh, has started to provide me with new material. Um, I moved to New Hampshire, which was a tremendous source of material. I got my motorcycle license. Um, really? Yes. Just living on the edge. Look uh, at you. Well, yeah. As far as the edge is, uh, it's, it's a a little scooter. It but it's a ledge, more of an edge. It's, yes, yeah, it's, it's a ledge. It's yes, that's ledge. a good way to put it. It's yes, more of a ledge than an yes. edge. Yes, and and when I leave here, I will go home in my 2006 Toyota Sienna minivan. To my lovely suburban house with my two <laughs> golden retrievers. <laughs> Funny. So, my- so, but you've been doing this a while, so you've got this thing. And I always ask the, the comics I interview, best gig, worst gig. Best so gig. what's your best gig? Because it's usually a, li- a more boring story. Best gig. Um, side Splitters, Tampa, Florida. Nice. It was a 6 o'clock show. Of course it was. <laughs> uh, Larry Miller was on at 8. They didn't put me on at the 8. Um, they had never seen me perform, but it was a 6 o'clock show. Yeah. Uh, so we had uh, a lot of seniors who had had the early bird special for dinner. Of course they did. Then they paid 5 bucks for the show. Pricing. Then they got in at 6 o'clock. They were still fairly awake. A uh, lot of coffee ordered, though. <laughs> or coffee, <laughs> coffee drinks. Not too much booze. And... Uh, they were my my people. Uh, first of all, I was one of the younger and more attractive people there, which usually doesn't happen on a show. Uh, they really enjoyed my act. They uh, participated. I, I had people who were joining in and talking, but it wasn't like heckling. Yeah. And uh, I found myself chuckling and, and just laughing and interacting with them in a way that... Um, I hadn't before. Nice. And it, it really made me more comfortable with myself on stage that night. Uh, worst gig? <laughs> there were so many to pick from. <laughs> Justin was just going through his handful as well. Probably one where we didn't, it was a, a birthday party in Lynn, and oh. we didn't know that there were going to be children there. Oh. And I followed um, 
Can I say another comic? Of course you can. Jack Walsh. Jackie Walsh. And both Jack and I did not know. That's Tumbling Jack. Now, Jack was supposed to headline. He was supposed to do 30 minutes. And then he found out it was supposed to be 30 clean minutes. (laughs) Jack said, I'm going up and I'm doing five. He says, the rest of the show is yours. Oh, God. (laughs) And And, And uh, you tore it up. I didn't tear it up. I I really, uh, there were kids running around and I just got through my set <laughs> and my husband was there and he looked at me and said don't you ever take me to another show like this again oh, <laughs> so many divorces have happened from this industry <laughs> well michelle thank and you and you're new you're newlywed right well You've been fairly married. it'll be four years for four me years in may. wow yeah well, well three years in may i'm sorry i'm jumping it feels like four. that's that's a relative it feels new, like newlywed four. i know but Michelle, where are you going to be this weekend? You you uh, you gigging this weekend? The fifteenth, I am at the Roundabout Diner. Um, I'm hosting, oh, and I for, believe uh, Mr. Steve Scarfo for Mr. Steve just Scarfo. Had him do a, just had him do yeah. a promo, literally. It's uh, Ryan Gar- Gartley, Gartley, and, and uh, Mike Katrobis. Mike Katrobis. Yeah. It ought to be interesting. I love that diner. I was there just to eat. I mean, it's it's I pl- near I, my hometown. I was there like the not maybe the first week or the second week, but. Uh, it, it's great. You're going to love the room. I saw the room, and uh, it would be interesting because it's the day after Valentine's Day. So, you all know, that. all well, the cheapskates who don't take their and can, buses can, uh, out. Can people find you on uh, michellemortensen.com? Uh, no, they can find me on www.theladycomic.com. Theladycomic.com. Michelle, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. But, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia. Love food and wine? Take a Salem food tour and discover a delicious way to walk through history. Salem food tours are guided walking tours of historic Salem, Massachusetts. They are the perfect way to explore the downtown and waterfront areas while enjoying tastings at some of Salem's best food shops and restaurants. Enjoy talks with chefs and fellow food lovers while learning all about our illustrious maritime spice trades and more. With today's culinary renaissance, locals and visitors agree Salem is truly a delicious place to explore. To get information on our year-round tours or to buy tickets or gift certificates, visit SalemFoodTours.com. Hi, this is Paul Kravitz. You're listening to Radio Irregardless, hosted by Mark Scalia. Or is it with... I don't know, but you're listening to it, and that's the important thing. And we're back at Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia. And Josh, just, uh, I don't know Josh as a comic. Jay Grove is just going up there, and I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to see if I can get Josh to come over and to get a quick interview with him as well before, uh, he brings up Elena, and then I am actually going to be broadcasting live. Hopefully, my uh, lavalier mic will work. Um, worst case scenario is I'll just turn up the mic on this one, and you might hear some other people. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll try the remote. Maybe I'll try the remote as well. But um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm actually really enjoying this remote. It's it's really fun to do this. It's a first for me. And again, we're going to get snow tomorrow, and you know, it's just. I'm I'm ready. I'm going to snap tonight on stage just talking about snow. So there may be extra cursing. And for those of you who've never seen my act, um, I usually 
fairly keep it clean, keep it clean to the most part. You don't curse, overly curse, but uh, tonight may be the thing. Josh, come on over, sir. Josh, this is a, I've never met you before, so this is, what's your last name? So Josh Solo? Josh Solo. All right, I tell you what, put the headphones on, grab the microphone. No problem. There we go. All right, can you hear you? Yeah, I can hear me. He can hear you. Ladies and gentlemen, joining me, Josh Solo. So this is a treat for me as well as you because I have not met Josh. So Josh, tell me about you, who you are, how long you've been doing at this. Uh... I have actually just started comedy in the past year. Really? Um, this is almost my one-year marker. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm really enjoying Elena's myself. Elena's coming up on a year as well. Yep, yep. Me and her have started about the same time. I met her a couple times back in Nashua. Now, did you play the comic book store too? No, no, no. <laughs> actually, this is the first time I've left Concord and Manchester and Nashua. Um, my car, unfortunately, has been on the fritz lately, oh. so travel hasn't been as happening. But Well, you've played the big three. So what the fuck else, what else is there to do? You know, to be honest with you, I want to eventually get to Boston and New York and all that and yeah. just start trying it because I really enjoy being up on stage. And what, uh, what got you on stage? Um, just trying to get out of my shell and do something with my life besides manage a restaurant. <laughs> do you want to say the name of the restaurant? Um, if you want. It, it, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it. <laughs> It's good enough. It's good enough. I, I think you could figure out which one it is. But, uh, it's the only one in New Hampshire, too. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the only restaurant in New Hampshire? No, 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 no. The only particular store of this, oh. of this national chain. Oh, the, now it's like it's like a game. It's, it is, it is. Oh. And what? Uh, I'm thinking it. I, 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 I'm not ESPing ESP. it. So. No, no. <laughs> I'd have to Google it. Hey. <laughs> um, so you're coming up on your year. Yeah. And how you... Uh, how you how you finding it? You, you're still interested? In oh it? yes, Loving very it? much. So I am, I am. Um, I've always been kind of an intention whore to yeah. begin with. That's um, what gets everybody on stage. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I told. I don't know if you heard my joke about the magic dildo, but it was the first joke I ever learned to tell. <laughs> and it was what. All right, really hold on, hold on one second, Phyllis. I want you to put Josh and Mary to bed. Actually, not so much Josh, but Mary's got to go to bed. Mary, go to bed. <laughs> I mean, it's, she's 9.30. She's like six years old. Oh, she's, she's oh yeah, of course but she's now, got to go to bed. Now, now I'll tell you, I, there's the disclaimer. Tell the joke. <laughs> tell the joke. Okay, the joke is, so this rich guy, he has this nymphomaniac wife. Mm -hmm. And she is usually alone, but sometimes the pool boy likes to come over. And he has to go away on a business trip. So he goes and goes to the most reputable toy shop there is in town. Okay. And goes up this is the guy and he, and he goes I'm going away on a business trip I, I need something I, money is no expense I need something that will just keep my wife so happy that damn pool boy won't come around so the old man kind of rubs his goatee and he goes reaches under the counter and pulls it up puts this big ordinate box on the thing and he opens it up it's just a plain old looking dildo okay. and an old man goes magic dildo the door and the thing floats up and just flies over to the door and just goes and the old man goes magic dildo stop and the thing floats back over and goes back to the next case and he closes it up and he goes sir it's very important you say magic dildo whatever you want to do very important you have to say those words okay so the man buys it and uh, brings it home to his wife Goes on vacation. Wife go, comes home. Goes magic dildo, my. 
and uh, she's in the throes of passion, enjoying it, and she, she's done, and she goes, stop, stop, and it won't stop. Yeah. <laughs> and in a panic and a hussy and this big hustle she run, runs across the house just throws on a robe gets in her bright red Corvette and speeds off to the hospital along the way she gets pulled over by one of the boys in blue <laughs> cop walks up and she rolls down the window and she's just in, in, in a tiffy and she's like ah, magic dildo and that's the only discernible thing the cop makes out and just kind of leans over and goes Magic dildo my ass. Oh. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> I learned to tell that when I, this was Christmas morning. Yeah. When I'm 12 years old and my uncle tells me this joke. Okay. That saves me. I swear to God, it saves me throughout all middle school so I actually have a friend or two. <laughs> Funny. That so. is funny. Yeah. So, so you haven't been at it a long time, but no. I always ask this of the comics, and I got, uh, I got Jay coming. Hold on. Hey, Jay. She the last act and then me? Okay. So Okay, she got a seven to ten left. So I can I can get Jay quick. So uh, Josh, uh, best gig, worst gig stories. Oh God. Uh, worst gig, Murphy's tap room, just almost every week. <laughs> just practicing. Um, best gig, def- tonight was definitely up there. Um, I had a real good I had a real good past couple of sets at Halligan's. Um, okay. just when when you get into the zone and you just feel it and you slow down and you don't let yourself be rushed. Yeah, I find myself just kind of zen it, zen it and out. Yeah, very cool. Well, I wish you well. Josh. Thank you. I wish Thank you well. You. Nice meeting. I you. hope our I hope our paths meet again. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I'm, I tend to play the big three. Yeah. So we're working it out. Awesome. But Josh, thanks so much. Hey, uh, listeners, uh, you can check Josh at Josh. Is it Josh Solo? Dot com or Josh Solo Facebook? Um, Josh Solo. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Josh, so hey, let me do it for real. <laughs> let me actually just cut and paste it because it's much Thank easier. Thank you. Facebook, Instagram, my, uh, my Facebook, Instagram. Facebook uh, and Instagram and Instabook and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, I recently, I actually just rejoined Twitter, just joined Instagram. Um, YouTube's my big thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm always on YouTube. That's where I'm posting my stuff. There's an interesting video of me with a Subaru and an AR-15, and we go out and have some fun with that. What the fuck? Yeah, I know, right? Some New Hampshire boy stuff. Right, Thanks so much, man. Thank I you. It. Have care. a good one. Thanks, man. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Josh Solo, uh, and he's uh, he's making a big name for himself up in the, the New Hampshire area. And as quick as we can, I don't want it. Well, is it going to be too tight? You got eight minutes? Yeah, we can do this. Yeah, I'm going to bring, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to bring Josh. Uh, yeah, Josh. I'm going to bring Jay Grove to the microphone, and Jay Grove is actually uh, the one responsible for this event tonight. Jay Grove is um, not only a comic, but he's actually working it out. He's kind of a kind of a big deal, kind of a producer. Right? Trying. Yeah? I'm, I'm big, that's for sure. No. <laughs> I don't know and, if I'm a deal or not. No, and I was actually walking around with the owner, um, and he was showing me upstairs, and you had... Sure. Uh, who Chameleon the, Club. Yeah, who was the guy that just had up there sold out? Uh, we had Michael Winslow. Michael who Winslow. Was, uh, the man of 10,000 sound effects from Police Academy. We had Dick Doherty up there. We bring yeah. in the big names. Yeah, we've, we got uh, Peasy here. I saw yep. the, in the bullet. Victoria board. Jackson's coming up. Yeah, um, that I actually saw posted. Michael Blackson. Who, so uh, you're doing a big job. Like, not just this room, but you've got like six. It's, you're becoming epic at this point. So watch out. <laughs> I'm trying to live within my means. I've got the Chameleon Club here in Dover, New Hampshire. This is what I would consider one of our, our uh, cornerstone clubs. And then I have Veronica Laughs out in Raymond, yeah. uh, which is my, my first kind of club club that I was running. I still am out there, uh, still putting on great shows. We get good guys out there. So those are the two big ones. And then, yeah, where, wherever I can, here and there around New England, New York, Pennsylvania, whatever I can uh, 
And one of the uh, one of the best gigs I did with you or for you and with you was up at Panucci's. Is it, no, that's the smoking place. Uh, Radloff's. Radloff's Cigar Lounge Radloff. over in Rochester. Oh. Uh, that's a great, a lot of fun over there. It's oh a very intimate God. setting, and it's just a fun crowd who likes to laugh. It's a Sunday night show. It, it's a, it feels good. Between the karaoke <laughs> and, the, and the wine and the cigar, I was in. It's like being. I always heaven. tell comics, you know, it, it's like being at a really good party. Uh, it, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I like that room, and that's yeah. It, it's the greatest thing about the booking has been. There's the bigger rooms, which is always nice, but then I have some fun rooms that uh, yeah. maybe you know maybe don't break the bank, but it's like you, uh, you know it's the kind of room you go, man, I'm getting paid to do this. <laughs> this is what I'd well, be spending my money on. It's weird. Josh just go, oh, I had a good time tonight, and Justin goes, I fucking ate it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he didn't. I think you know the thing with Justin. He's critical he, of himself. Really. Not not only well, I mean, and I'm sure that's why yeah. he's so good at what he does. Uh, I don't know if you could hear it from here. The biggest thing was when I announced him, there was like this stun. I didn't expect the name recognition, but there was like this stunned oh, yeah. hush over the crowd. I think they were in awe. Yeah. <laughs> there were yeah. literally two or three people who came up to him after him, like, oh, really nice to Justin, meet you, man. Justin McKinney to New Hampshire is like Bob Marley to Right, me. and I, I think that I, I almost think it hurt him in that because I've, I've had him at Panucci's in Concord, and we didn't – I forget what we called him. But we didn't use his name. And about halfway through the set, someone kind of goes, wait a minute, <laughs> and they put it together, and he didn't get laughs after that because people, I think, were kind of – starstruck right. uh, tonight I, f- I heard the gasp as we brought him up and uh, he's always a good sport he's nice enough to always drop in and go up and he works so hard when you see somebody yes. that good who also works that hard you, you, you see why they're where they are he deserves yeah, he's it he's a regular he's yep. a totally regular guy absolutely you know, and that's one of the things like you had Michael Winslow here yep. and you got a Victoria uh, Jackson, Victoria yep, from, Jackson Saturday from Saturday Night Live SNL. Yep. Um, they're normal people they're just regular people. Well, <laughs> you hope. <laughs> I won't bore you with my Michael Winslow stories, but yeah, you hope. No, it's funny when it's on stage when you realize to be that good at it, he probably does it all the time. Yeah, he does. Uh, uh, so. uh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, I, he was that kid in middle school, I oh, think. I'd lose my shit. But, lose uh, my no, mind. great act. Standing ovation, and what a way to kick off the room here. It was excellent. Very good show. Nice. So. So real quick, because I know uh, yep. you got to get back, and then you got to bring me up, and Let's I got to I got to get my shit ready. Yeah. Um, best gig, worst gig. Best gig, worst gig. Or just pick I mean, one. this is obviously before the podcast. You're talking best gig. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, actually, probably same gig. Uh, when I first started out, I was uh, I first time I was out on the road. I'm a New Hampshire dude, and the first time I got to go out on the road, I went to uh, Arizona. I went to Tucson, Arizona, and I was hosting for the weekend at the uh, Laughs Comedy Lounge out there. It was a big money making venture for me, paying four hundred and thirty dollars to make one hundred and fifty bucks. Uh, to fly out there, so it was a, a big, uh, big money-making trip for me, but a great time, and my first time to really kind of get out and see how my comedy held up, and I get up there, and man, I killed. I mean, the kind of kill that, as a, as a host, I had only dreamt about with my, with my, you know, 10 minutes of material, I killed, so best gig, and then... Uh, oh, she's done. Yeah, and I'll tell my, quickly, I'll tell my worst, so best gig, I get up there, I do my hosting, it goes great, and Michelle's going to bring me up there. And, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> but just, so I, I am feeling so great about it that as I go to bring the feature up, I forget her name and I stand there like a jerk. So best gig, worst gig. I'm going to go bring uh, this headliner up. I heard he's good. Thank you for having me, Mark. Jay Grove, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jay. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that was Jay Grove. And you can see him at jgrove.com. And I'm about to go on stage. So here are what I'm going to do. I'm going to swap to my remote and hopefully it works out. So here we go. Let's go with my live remote. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I will be closing the show out. So let's see how it works. Let's see. This is, there we go. Now I'm recording. One, two. I think I'm recording. There we go. There we go. You may get a little, we may, we may get a little bit of feedback. So 
I'm going to try my best to keep it go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been Radio Air Regardless, and uh, I'll be back to close the show out, but hopefully you'll enjoy yourselves. Um, I've had a really good time with this, and I'm going to come back and close the show out. Here we go. I think I'm good. Yes, I think I'm good. I got the volume up as loud as it can go, so hopefully. Oh. Yeah, there we go. There we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be going up in about a minute. I actually, I'm getting my volume up all the way on the secondary mic so we can listen to that because the secondary mic seems to be working out. And hopefully we won't have a lot of, uh, a lot of chatter on the chit-chat. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go as a backup. I'm going to do them both. There we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. There we go. Oh. Putting on a lavalier mic. Ready to go. Here we go. Here we go, everybody. Still alive. Jay Grove, everybody! Jay Grove! Jay Grove. Oh, good. There's still much of an audience here. Good! Good to be here in Rochester. Yes, that's where I am. Very good to be here. How many people first time here? Just the comics? Good. Oh, fuck that. Excellence, working out all the way around. I'll tell you about myself. My name is Mark Scalia, and I am a stand-up comic, and I do a lot of acting work, as Jay said, Pink Panther 2. Anybody see it? Nope, nobody fucking saw it. So it works out nice. Trust me, I was in it. I didn't watch it. Uh, it was bad. But I'm not an actor that does stand-up comedy. This is actually my 25th year doing stand-up comedy. And the one good thing acting has actually taught me is I can do over 35 or 40 different accents and dialects. Like of any country in the world. I'll tell you what, we're a nice intimate group here. Name a country, I'll see if I can do the accent for you. Sweden. Zip. Fucking everybody always yells Zimbabwe. If I did it, would you know? You would fucking know. All right, Zimbabwe. Yeah, usually they uh, find the assholes out early, but we waited on this one. That's good. I'm <laughs> you know, so that's why I don't, see, I usually don't ask people to name a country because people just yell out arbitrary countries. And the reason I actually start, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little secret. There's a lot of accents I do that sound familiar because they make sense, like British colonies. Like all the British calls, British proper sounds like this, and of course, Courtney sounds like this. And if you elongate it, you can sound like one of the Beatles from Liverpool. And if you tighten it down, you can sound Australia. And if you take that, you tighten it just a little bit, you can sound like you're from New Zealand. It's slightly different. It sounds the same, but it's slightly different. But they all make sense because they're all British colonies. But there's two accents I started doing that sound familiar, but I can't figure out why. It's Irish and Jamaican. You're like, they're islands. I'll prove it to you. 
Jamaican. Hey, man. What do you say we smoke a big split, listen to some Bob Marley? Afterwards, we'll go to the pub and beat the shit out of some fucker. See? One starts, the other stops. Just happens. It's great when you can hear the pool cues, uh, the pool balls hit each other in the middle of the set. How'd the joke go? Eight ball. That worked out. By the way, I'm actually broadcasting live. I do an internet radio show and I'm broadcasting live and I'm going to destroy the digital evidence after this set. So, <laughs> But I love doing this job. The reason I actually stopped asking people for country, not because they were naming strange countries, but one woman, I do a show, one woman would stand up, she goes, United States! And she wasn't backing down. She's like, go ahead. And I had to explain it to her. I said, first of all, if you're from the country of origin, you don't have an accent. You actually have a dialect. In the United States, it's a huge country. We have literally hundreds of thousands of dialects and sub-dialects. So I just picked a bunch. I'm from the Boston area. We're all from the New England area. It doesn't matter where we travel on this planet. And somebody finds out you're from Boston, they want you to say the same stupid phrase, which is, Park the car in Harvard Yard. If, if you were sober, you could say it straight. That's fine. Don't I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge. <laughs> but it's park the, park the car in Harvard Yard because Bostonians are known for dropping their arms. So when I travel and somebody says that to me, my response is, what the fuck is wrong with you, you tad? There's no freaking way to park in Harvard. And if you found the meter, it ain't taking quarters. Now get out of my face, you queer. That's the response. That's how you answer that challenge. You drive down the coast a little bit, you get to New York. There are five boroughs of New York. Six if you count Long Island. Brooklyn, Manhattan, Staten Island, Bronx, and Queens. Each with a very different dialect. If you ever meet anybody from the Bronx, everybody from the Bronx has a very interesting way of talking. They sound like they got marbles in their mouth that can't get them out. You go across the other bridge and up in Queens. Queens sounds very similar to the Bronx. It's different with Queens. You don't have marbles in your mouth. You got something stuck in your teeth. It's a little different. If you ever meet anybody from Long Island, they have a very interesting way of talking. We're almost done. Things sound real calm and there's no problem whatsoever. Then for no reason, arbitrarily, something gets completely blown out of control and then it kind of goes away just as quick as it started. And they what? They all sound gay? Really? In Long Island? Long Island sounds gay? That's adversarial. First of all, that's Jersey. What you're doing right now, that's Jersey. Don't even get up in my shit right now. That's Jersey. See that shit? She was thought, she was thought right up there. Just, what is it? Uh, pan? What is it? Pan? I don't know the fucking situation, that piece of shit. <laughs> I'm the situation. I'll punch you in the balls. I'll give you a situation. It's called Pink Eye, Bob Costas. Anyway. <laughs> How come nobody told him? Did nobody tell Bob Costas for three fucking days? Was it, somebody, was he, somebody told me he was wearing an eye patch. Was that true? Did he wear an eye patch? Oh, fucking Bob Costas. He makes Joe Buck look good. You guys in the booth, are you guys all locals? Oh, there's Josh. Oh, fucking Josh. I talked to Josh earlier. Fucking Josh. He's so happy. He's so new at comedy. He still loves it. <laughs> Give it a full year, you fucking naive little bastard. Give it a year. I'm kidding. 
God bless him. Actually, I love this job. If you put a gun in my head and told me to pick a different job, I'd tell you to pull the trigger. I love this job. This job actually uh, found me. Um, so it got me out of the house, got me to travel a lot, and it actually helped me to leave the house, which helped me my second thing, to realize my family was stupid and I should avoid them. Do you have stupid people in your families? Yeah, don't clap you just sitting with them. It's really going to piss them off. You know, it's different when you're a kid. Remember being a kid? You'd be around the holidays, you have a different, every holiday was different and fun and exciting. Had different colors, different characters, different food. Then you get older, you become an adult, and every holiday becomes the same holiday. Doesn't matter what it is. You show up at 9, set the table 9.30, start cooking at 10, a big fight breaks out at 10.30. You're a piece of shit, you know that? Shove your holiday up your ass. Why do you have to ruin every year? Everybody eats, you're out of there at 1. Because when you're a kid, you don't know your family's messed up. You don't look at them like that. You're a kid, you see mother, father, sister, brother. You get older, drunk, slut, lose a moron. That's what happens. And it's finally happened. I have become my father. I was fighting it the whole time. I want to find the youngest person in it. Who's in their 20s? Josh, how old are you? 28? And Real, Wow. R relax. You gotta look. Jersey's getting all up in her business. See that shit? Put your hands. It's gonna be an incident over here. How old are you? You're 21? Fucking punk, look at you. What's your name, man? Mike, you ever think you can become your dad? Really? God bless you. God bless you for that realization. Because I was in that chair. I think we're all, we all were in that chair at one point, and we said, I'm not gonna become like my parents. My parents are stupid. They don't know anything. And it's gonna be different when I have kids. We all become our parents. You know why we become our parents? Somebody cursed them. And if you've got parents, you've heard the curse. I hope you have one that's just like you. It works. Because we become our parents because they were their parents and they were their parents. They were their, we're not ourselves, we're bad copies and the ink is running out and we can't get toner anywhere. I've adopted everything my father's ever said. Mike, does that happen? You quoting your father? Yeah. It's, you know something? It's, and you know something? I bet you, were, I bet you became your father years before because you started complaining about stuff, didn't you? Yeah. Complaining about stuff is not an adult thing because kids complain all the time. It's raining out. I didn't get the right toy. I hate clothes. That stuff. But that's not unusual. But you know you're an adult when you complain and nobody's there. You're in your car driving, somebody cuts you off. Oh, nice turn signal. What an asshole. Look at this guy. Nobody's in the car with you. Then it gets worse. You start complaining about stuff you have no control over. 46 cents for a stamp. You gotta be shitting me. I can walk this to Chicago. Hey Mike, you ever asked for a manager? No. I didn't know what a manager was until I was 35. I got bad food, bad service, never complained. Now I'm like, excuse me. And the worst, when you're on the phone and you ask for a supervisor, you might as well just file for AARP right there and then. You're fucked. It's over. I started quoting my father. And my father had the dumbest quotes ever. And I've adopted everything he's ever said. His favorite word was punk. He considered anybody younger than him to be a punk. That's why I called you a punk. It wasn't even my word. I quoted my dad. But my father was almost 80 years old when he died. Most people he encounters were younger than him. This is how insane the man was. 
I get him in the car next to me and I'm driving him to a doctor's appointment. His health was really bad. He's got oxygen on, he can barely move. We're driving down the street, see a 50 year old guy crossing the street. 50. My dad looks at him and he goes, look at this fucking punk crossing the street. I was like, dad, the guy's like 50. He's a fucking punk crossing against the light. Take him out. I'm like, take him out? What is wrong with you? God forbid you ever lost something in front of my father. I had a phrase for that too. Hey, dad, have you seen my car keys? I can't find them anywhere. Huh. If they were up your ass, you'd know about it. First of all, I would hope so. And then second, how bad did you lose something that one of the places you got to check is up your ass? He had the best way to insult you and then apologize for the insult. Go something like this. Hey, not for nothing, but you're an asshole. That's a pretty bad insult. Here comes the apology. I'm just saying. <laughs> My father was born in 1927. Most of the technologies that we use and enjoy, he couldn't wrap his head around. To the day he died, he had no idea what the internet was. He calls me up, he's like, hey, can you do me a favor? There's a show on TV, I wanna watch the show. I don't know what time the show is on. On your way over, pick me up a TV guide so we're gonna find out what time the show is on. I go, dad, just tell me the name of the show. I'll look it up online. No, 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 don't wait in line for something like that. Just pick me up. <laughs> you wanna something funny? Last week I did that joke. Kids sit in the front row, look at me like this. What's a TV guide? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, how old are you? He goes, 17. I go, what's your name? He goes, Joe. I go, Joe, you know, there was a time before the internet. He goes, yeah, there were dinosaurs and you fuckers lived in caves. That's what he said to me. That's what he said to me. And I was going to knock him out right there and then. And his parents are sitting next to him. They're in my demographic. So I go, hey, what's up with him? And they go, oh, we encourage him to be his own person. Oh, I wish I had that option growing up. Oh, don't get me wrong, I did have the two options. Do it or die. Those were the options I had. I said, give a spank him? No, no, no. No, no, no. We would, have, we would never hit our darling Joe. Really? Let me tell you something. If you got kids and you love your kids, beat your fucking kids. Let me tell you why. Not for the discipline, not for the respect. It's for the funny stories they get to tell their kids. Because how funny is this going to be in 20 years, you know? When I was disobedient, my parents would make me stand in a corner. <laughs> oh, I learned my lesson that day. No, you didn't. And I can't tell you, I've had my share of timeouts as well. <laughs> timeouts? My father would smack me to my mother. My mother would smack me back to my father. There was no downtime. I grew up in a different time. I grew up in a time it was all right to hit kids. It was actually encouraged. I would be in the grocery store. I reached for an apple. I get hit in the side of the head. Wasn't even my mother. It was some guy. My mother would be like, hey, you hit my kid? He was like, yeah, he was reaching for an apple. My mother would go, don't inconvenience a stranger. <laughs> Guys grow up with strict parents? Oh, yeah. You ever get in a fight in school? Come home, they beat the shit out of you, and as they're hitting you, they say, don't hit people. I had an Italian mother, Sicilian father. Every night was fight night at my house, boy. I wouldn't even do anything wrong half the time. And I know we're good parents. Like, we don't have to do that. You don't have to beat your kids. You don't have to hit them like that. We've grown beyond that. We've, we have knowledge. We've improved ourselves. You don't need to do that. 
Wait a minute, we're old. What? Get them till they bleed? Okay, yeah. Somebody should fucking call uh, somebody about him. That's fucking. That's a little aggressive, even for my count. That's a no, but we're good parents now. We do the good thing, and the good aunts, and the good uncles, and we go to the little league games, and the soccer practice, and the ballet, and the dance recitals. Don't get me started on the fucking dance recitals. Has anyone ever been to a dance recital? Do you know what we need at Guantanamo Bay? Fucking dance recital company. Because the terrorists would tell us everything they knew after sitting through one of these things. Just tie into a chair, starting in there. I'm not going to tell you anything about Al-Qaeda. Go screw yourself. I can't tell. He's... Why have the children started at all different times? Why would you play music if they're not going to dance to it? Ooh, you should have the dance instructor. Black is not a good color for her. Can I leave? My kid was in the first half. Can I just, no, no. Please don't make me stay for the award ceremony, please. I'll buy the DVD, I will. But we're good parents like that. You do those things. I didn't have those parents. My parents weren't supportive. My father had no confidence in me. I would lift a full glass of water off the table. You're going to drop it. I'd make it across the floor. I'd put it down. You got lucky this time. My mother had so much fear, no matter what I was doing, she would tell me exactly how I would die doing it. I'd lift a plastic butter knife off the table. Oh my God, don't run with that, because if you do, you're going to fall down, rip your belly out. We don't have that kind of money for stitches. And more than likely, you're going to fall on your face, rip your eye out, and no one's going to marry a cyclops. <laughs> and discipline, my parents were good at. My father would hit me with the belt. You ever get hit with the belt? Yeah, but your father would never get the belt himself. He'd make you get the fucking belt for him. He was saving up for the swing. And I don't know if your dad, like my dad would try to scare you. He'd take the belt, make a big loop out of it, and then he would just snap it as hard as he could. Yep, and when you're seven, that scares the shit out of you. He's like, put your hand in there. I don't want to put my hand in there. Put it in there. I got a one. He goes, snap. Oh, it doesn't hurt. Do it all fucking day. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. My mother, even more creative. She would hit ones with ladles, wooden spoons, cooking utensils. Got to the point she'd go to Tupperware parties looking for shit to beat me with. And we didn't have anybody looking out for kids. Now you yell at a kid in public, a freaking SWAT team will show up at your house. But we didn't have that. The only thing I had growing up, there was an 800 number. You could call the 800 number if things were really bad. And I made the mistake of telling my Italian mother, four by four by four with a mustache. She's a tough bitch. I told her I was going to call someone and report that she was hitting me. She hit me with the phone. And I'm not talking about phones we have today, plastic, wireless, made in Malaysia. I'm talking about a phone as big as this table. Do you remember it? It was lime green, rotary dial, had two bells. It weighed 12 pounds. She hit me. It was ringing for six minutes after. And then she said, now you've got something to tell them. And I feel bad for you, Mike, I feel bad for you, generation 20-somethings. I feel bad for you, because you can't complain about shit. You really can't. You literally, you literally have the world at your fingertips. You don't even have to have a finger. You just press a button with your nose and go, hey, Suri, what's going on? <laughs> you know why Suri's a woman? If it was a guy, no one fucking listened to it. <laughs> 
But no, you like like when I went like when I had to do a book report, I had to look it up in books called encyclopedias. There was no internet; you could just ask it about shit. No Wikipedia. It was an encyclopedia. It was like eighteen hundred volume, two inches thick. It took you a month and a half to find what you're looking for, and fifteen seconds to write the fucking report. And if you couldn't spell something, you had to look it up in a book called a dictionary. And good luck trying to find it. How could you find it if you can't fucking spell it? I think it starts with a C, but it could be a K. <laughs> and especially digital technology, you fucking spoil it. Just anything you want. Hey, suppose you're at work. And nobody's around, you're in your cubicle, and you're like, I want to just see something I shouldn't be looking at. So I'm going to see if a polar bear can fuck a penguin. I just want to see. <laughs> and you can find it. It's a video, you're watching it, you're like, somebody comes up behind you, <laughs> zipping around. Oh no, I was doing a spreadsheet, I was doing all my work, I wasn't doing anything I wasn't supposed to. And it's gone, like it never happened. If I wanted to look at a video I shouldn't be looking at, I had to set up an 8 millimeter projector. I get the screen up, I got the window shades down, and my pants are on my ankle. Somebody walks in, what are you doing? I was watching a Disney film. No, you weren't. And I don't want to be the old guy. I'm 45. I don't think I'm that old. But I'm, I feel that old. Like, all I need is a porch, a hat, a shotgun, and a rocking chair. I'll be like, that ball better not come in my fucking yard, I'll tell you that. I'm going to own that ball. <laughs> I'm that guy. And I don't care how old you are. I think, I think I, I don't know, maybe I'm like everybody else. I don't know. You look in the mirror, you see the same person you always did. You know, maybe a little older or gray or wrinkled or balding, whatever. But you see the same person you've always looked at. But every once in a while, as you get older, your body goes, not today. Your body just <laughs> arbitrarily goes on strike for no fucking reason. Like, I hurt my back last week. Not because I was wrestling tigers or saving children from a burning building. I got up out of a chair. <laughs> and not a chair like I'm training to be an astronaut, just a regular, I went, oh God, what the fuck? <laughs> when I was a kid, I said, I got hurt. Now I say, I'm injured. Like I'm a baby bird that fell out of a nest. Oh, he's injured, yeah, yeah. No, no, football players get injured because they play and they hit other guys. I'm doing, I'm fucking walking and I injure myself. It's fucking crazy. And look at it, see, Mike, you know what he's doing now? He's eating right now and he's drinking right now. And he's probably not going to stop. He's probably going to go to like 11, 12, 1 o'clock. Keep eating, keep drinking. You can do that. Dude, I'm 45. I'm like a gremlin. You can't get me wet or feed me after a certain hour. <laughs> It's over. I used to be able to drink a lot. Remember when we were young, we could drink? You had like five, six, seven, eight drinks. Now that you'd be stone sober, still get in the car and drive. I smell whiskey and I'm like, woo! What is happening tonight? I don't know what happened. My tolerance is completely gone. And my wife and I, we got married three years ago, and we're trying to have a baby because all our friends have kids, and I, I mean, I like kids. So I actually, I, I've never had kids, so I actually had to get tested. I don't know if anybody did the fertility test. Mike, you ever get a fertility test? Of course you didn't. Of course you didn't. Why would you? Fucking guy, he's firing bullets like a machine gun. He's like a howitzer going, yeah, what's next? 
What are we doing now? Let's have some fun. Yeah. I'm like the 4th of July guy. Six minutes, done. See me next year. <laughs> Mike's going. So I went and got tested because I wanted to see. I just wanted to see what was going on. And it's a very strange thing to get tested for fertility. I went to my clinic, my regular clinic thing, and I'm like, okay, maybe it's uh, something. And I go in there, and I'm here, I go here, I'm here, I get a fertility test. And she goes, oh, okay. She handed me the cup, which I was expecting, but she put it in this bright red fluorescent bag with a biohazard symbol on it. And I'm like, this is my semen. It's not acid from an alien. It's like, I've never had that happen. Well, one, but she, never mind. Um, I had asparagus, I think. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I go there and I go, do you have a lounge? She goes, no, no, no. We just have the bathroom down the hall. I go, do you have any magazines? She goes, no, we don't have magazines. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll just use my phone because I've got a terrible imagination and an even worse memory. So, <laughs> so I go down the hall. It's just a bathroom. It's a regular bathroom. And I'm in there and I'm like, okay. I got, And you can't touch the cup because you can't contaminate the, the specimen. So like, it's so awkward. Like when I'm home, I do it right. I set it up, I'm like, yeah, give it to yourself. And I do it, and it's nice, and it's fun, and it, we, you know, it's nice all around. But with the cup, I'm like, okay, and I'm like, it's so awkward. I'm like, I can't touch myself without touching myself, I can't touch. So I'm like, yeah, is it, did you have to do it? It's fucking bizarro, I and mean, see, they think I'm making it up. And you can't, you can't, it's like, I don't want to wear gloves, because then I feel like I'm somebody else, and it's weird for me. Cause I'm, and then, so I'm in the, so I'm finishing, like I'm finishing up and I'm like, I love you. I don't know what to say afterwards. <laughs> Mike has no idea. He's like, oh, get out of the car. That's just something like that. Oh, is it by the hour? <laughs> but I'm done. I put it in the thing and they have a night, like a slot, like a, a, like a thing. Right. Connected to the lab. Right. So I take it and I put it in there and I close it. And I'm getting ready, and I'm like, I'm like, okay. And I don't hear anything. Like, nobody's reaching for the kitchen. And I'm like, now my mind starts racing. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, I'm thinking of the weirdest. I'm like, oh, my God, was, was that enough? I don't know. You know, I don't want the tech picking it up and go, oh, that's unfortunate. I <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm in there. I'm like, well, was, I, I've lost track of time. I don't know. Because my cell phone, I thought I was going to use my cell phone. No reception in the bathroom. So I had to do it all by hand. Um, so I'm in there, and I'm like, how long was I in here? Was I, I'm like, was I in here too long? Was I not long enough? I don't want to walk, you know. So I, I, I thought what I thought was a good amount of time, and I did the walk of shame out of my fucking clinic. I walked by, I go, thank you, God. <laughs> See, Mike, now Mike relates to the story. But I feel bad for my wife. Like my wife is married and my father and I'm married and I'm married to her mother. <laughs> and I love my wife. I do. I love her. Like I don't know if you guys are in love, you've been in love, just love somebody so much you just want to break their fucking neck. You know what I mean? It's like I love you. I love you. I love you. Uh oh. <laughs> I think I loved you too much. 
Well, I love you enough to dig a hole in the backyard for you. And we fight, we have stupid fights. Like, I, I yelled at my wife so hard last week, I pulled a muscle in my neck. I don't even know what I was like, you know, you pull this shit all the time. It's the same thing. And we've known each other for like 13 years, so now she senses weakness and she wants to go in for the kill. She's like, you hurt yourself. You did it yourself. I didn't do anything. It's your own fucking fault. You did it. Which pissed me off even more. Then I yelled again and I got hiccups on top of the pole. So I'm like, here. I don't know what the fight was about, but I think I lost it. Oh, score. <laughs> All right. I, uh, I actually got to get out of here soon. But I will leave you with this. I, w I will leave you with this. I, no, I can't. No, I'm doing a show. I got to close the show up. Um, I, will, I will leave you with this. If you're, if you're in relationships, you need friends of the opposite sex. Because love is just like war. And you need operatives on the other side funneling you information. Because if the woman is mad at the man, she'll never fucking tell him. He's got to guess. And if the man's mad at the woman, you can't fucking tell her. You're just going to shut up and eat it. Because <laughs> I have a female friend. She's an amazing girl. We've never dated. We have no designs on each other. We share. I've learned so much about women, physiology, emotionally, everything. But some of the conversations we have are bizarre. Some of the things that I've learned about women, bizarre. We actually had a two-hour discussion about the size of a man's penis. Now, I know it's an important thing, but not to warrant a two-hour discussion. But after this conversation, I come to one inescapable conclusion. If a woman requires a big penis, she has a big vagina. Don't fight the math. I mean, I don't mean big like, hello, 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 hello. <laughs> See, the way he was funny up until I fucking point, I'll say that. See, women don't want to talk about the existence of a big vagina. They want to keep it a myth like Loch Ness and Bigfoot. But it's out there. Oh, it's out there. Why wouldn't you admit it? Why wouldn't you just admit there's a big vagina? It's not like it's going to take away your sexual power. Women want to hurt a man. First thing she said, he had a tiny little penis. He couldn't satisfy a man. He had a tiny little penis. I'd be like, maybe you get a huge fucking vagina. Did you ever think of that? And I, again, I don't know why you women are worried. It's not like men have an equalizer. You can walk down any aisle of any CVS or Walgreens. See a dozen pills, make a man's penis longer, thicker, stay hard for four hours. We don't have a single pill to make a vagina go, not one. And ladies, if that particular joke offended you, I'm just saying. My name is Mark Scalia. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Keep coming back to the pub. It's a great place. Thank you, Jake. Thanks, man. Thank you guys. Gonna close the show out. Let's close it out. See if we still have any listeners. See what we got. Ladies and gentlemen. Well,
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. You've been listening to Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia. Join us next week when we come back live. Probably not remote, but uh, it's it's been fun nevertheless. Uh, again, my name is Mark Scalia, and you have been listening to Radio... Oh, wait a minute. Where, where are you doing? Oh, I don't do it. Anyway, you know what i got to put my headphones back on. That's what i got to do, because i got to properly hear the show. There we go. There we go. Oh, there we go. So enjoy next week when we come back live with two uh, new amazing guests. Thank you for listening, guys. I hope it's been worth it. It's been fun. My first remote. Thank you, guys. See you next week. This has been Radio Irregardless, hosted by Mark Scalia, your non-standard blend of irrespective listening and regardless enjoy. Radio Irregardless was written, directed, and produced by Mark Scalia and broadcast live from Salem, Massachusetts via Mixler.com. I'd like to thank my on-air guests, courtesy of Skype, and all the online listeners for their comments. The Radio Irregardless theme music, If Only I Had a Pen, was written and composed by Derek Dupuy. All material and content, property of MS Enterprises, and copyrighted 2013. Thank you for listening. And finally, anyone who uses the terms irregardless, a whole nother, or all of the sudden shall be sent to a work camp.